When I was a junior in high school, uh, I had the privilege of playing football. And in my junior year, we lost our first two games. This was very disappointing because we had just come off a junior varsity season, the core of that team, and we had been undefeated. And the coaches expect more. And of course, we were pretty disappointed as a team. And I remember walking out to the practice field and the head coach, Mr. Regan, he had called me and said, Craig, come here. So I came over there and he said, Craig, I want you to know something. I said, yes, sir. He said, Mr. Reynolds, now Mr. Reynolds was my area coach. He was the head coach of the defensive backs. That's a position I played. And he said, Mr. Reynolds doesn't think you should be starting. I think he's wrong. I believe in you. I want you to go out and play the best game of your life. Practiced hard all week. That Saturday, played the best game of my life. We won that game, and for the rest of that season and the next season, we never lost a game as a team. Now, what was important to me in that experience was that Mr. Regan expected something of me, and he believed something about me, and he reinforced some things that I needed to know, and what I did was raise up my game. It raised up because of his expectations. We know, studies have shown that when teachers expect more of their students, they perform better, and when they expect less, they perform um, less. Educational outcomes for students are directly tied to teacher expectations. Well, today, our message today is about expectations. When we expect, it's about what we expect of God when it comes to connecting with God and living out our lives in terms of our mission to communicate God's love to others. So here's the first question. Can we get it up on the screen? While he's doing that, I'm going to just tell us that first question. It's about being equipped. Do you feel equipped to engage in spiritual discussion with people regardless of their faith? So click on one of the answers, absolutely confident, capable, unsure, not so much, not at all. While you're doing that, I'm going to tell you more, and you can see the results as they go on. It was about six, no, eight months ago that we did uh, a survey of the congregation. We took a, a small statistical sampling, and uh, from that sampling, what we discovered was that as a church, we're, we're pretty healthy spiritually. But one of the areas that we can grow in and need to grow in is what they call needs-oriented evangelism or what we might think of as sharing our faith with others, either through the direct sharing of the gospel, through um, kindness and compassion and deeds, um, and through our relationships. So, one of the things that we discovered was the congregation was willing to say, hey, we're not measuring up to where we could be. 
And I was so proud of our church to be able to just look at that and not pretend that we're doing something well when we're not. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about all of this, but I want to say something if you're a visitor with us today. Sometimes when we as Christians talk about sharing our faith, right, with others, you get the feeling that somebody has drawn a target on your back. And what we want to, what I want to say to you is you are not a target. I want you to understand why I and other believers actually want to share our faith with you. Why that's so important that we share it with the world. Let me give you just two examples. One is, as a parent, right? As a parent, I want to model for my children the very best values that I could and still can. I want them to grow up and say, wow, that's, Dad has just got this thing nailed. He is just a person of character, and I want to be just like Dad. In a sense, when, when the love of God through Jesus comes and touches us, we have this incredible parent who has touched us with a perfect love. A love that it's natural for us to want to emulate and be just like him. And he wants his love to go out to everyone. That's the nature of it. So it's natural for us to want to share that with all of you, right? Now, let me say this too. If you can imagine, this is the other example, if you can imagine that you developed cancer and you were terminally ill, they gave you a certain time limit, and somebody presented to you the cure for cancer. And it's something that you could pass along to the rest of the world. It would be immoral not to do it. It would just be wrong. Well, the nature of God's love is so wonderful and so powerful, and it's so much the best thing in our lives that as Christians, we believe it would be immoral not to share that love with you. So what I want to say to you, if you're a visitor with us today, you do not have a target on your back. We are not trying to share the love of God through Jesus for any other reason than we want you to know the, the best thing in our lives. There is nothing greater, better that we could share with you than that. Would the church give me an amen on that? Amen. That's right. Okay. Now, let's look here at results one. Do you feel equipped to engage in spiritual discussion with people regardless of their faith? Okay. So, for the most part, 58% of those of us present of the church, 58% of us feel that we can. And so we should be comfortable in being able to do it. But the other 42% say, well, I'm not so comfortable in this. That's a, pretty, that's a stretch for me. All right. So that's where we are in terms of feeling equipped about spiritual discussions. Now, let's move on to question two. 
It'll come up, I promise. I'll read it to you first, and they'll get it up while it is. And hopefully we save that, the results on that. Do you feel equipped to share the gospel with those people? Again, the five answers are absolutely confident, capable, yes and no, not so much, and not at all. And while you're doing that, and we can see results in time, I want to talk to you just a little bit about the pattern in Acts 14 and how it relates to expectations. Okay? There's a pattern that we're going to see in our text for today. That pattern is this. The gospel is shared. The sharing of the gospel is accompanied by the power of God. Resistance grows. And faith in Jesus is established. The kingdom of God continues to spread. Now you're going to hear that pattern over and over again, so don't worry about it. But, I'll say it very quickly. Gospel is shared. Sharing the gospel is accompanied by the power of God. Resistance grows. Faith in Jesus is established. The kingdom of God spreads. The repeating nature of this pattern over and over and over again, and it's not just in chapter 14, it's in Acts. It's throughout Acts. It's the nature of how the gospel spreads. I believe condition the expectation of the early church. They, therefore, had expectations around sharing their faith with other people. Consider what psychology learns and calls classical conditioning. Ivan Pavlov does this test, and he has a dog eat, and while the dog's eating, he rings a bell, right? And then he does it enough times, and pretty soon he doesn't put the food out. He rings the bell, but what does the dog do? It gets ready to eat. It's salivating. It's how we can change behavior. Good coaches in sports know that training conditions responses. It conditions expectations. Good coaches know that winning produces winning because winners believe they're going to win. That's part of it. Expectations matter. So, because expectations matter, they have an effect upon us as we are sharing the gospel and our faith with others. Now, let's look at what we how we feel together about being equipped to share the gospel with people. 67% of the congregation feel absolutely or feel confident in this. That's awesome. That's awesome. And 33% not so much. Okay? So, in terms of being equipped as a church to be sharing our faith out there in the world, we have some, some relatively good, solid foundations as a church. That doesn't mean we couldn't do better, but it's solid. So now we're going to get a chance in a little while to look at expectations. All right. Let's turn to Acts 14, 1 through 7, if you have your Bible in front of you. Otherwise, you're welcome to look up at the screen. I want to read the... Missionary journey to Iconium. Now at Iconium, they, that's Paul and Barnabas, entered together into the Jewish synagogue, 
and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with the rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, that's Paul and Barnabas, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel, to share their faith. Now, look at the repeating pattern that we are going to see in Iconium, and it's going to happen elsewhere, and it's already happened before. The gospel is shared. Paul and Barnabas are on their way back to Antioch, the city from which they were commissioned for this journey. While they are, they're following exactly the pattern that they've done before. They go first to the synagogue. And as we heard from Dr. Lau the week before, this is because the gospel is what? To the Jew first and the Gentile also. Right? So they're following that pattern. As a result, many Jews believe, but also Greeks. Now, the gospel shared, what happens? The sharing of the gospel is accompanied by the power of God. Do you hear that? So when you share the gospel, it's not just words. It's the power of God speaking through you. You don't have the power, but God does. And it accompanies the gospel. And that power is revealed in two ways. First, by the faith response to the gospel. It says both a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But there are also other ways that God accompanies our witness when we share the gospel. And that's through signs and wonders. That is, God grants signs and wonders, right, to be done by the works of their hands. So, a buddy of mine just told me about a sign and a wonder. He was talking to me about a guy at his church, and the guy's not a very good golfer, my buddy is. And he said, yeah, I was out golfing with this guy. And this guy said, you know, you're not a very good golfer. If you get a hole in one, I'll start going to church with you. Really? Lo and behold, he hits this ball. It goes up, lands real close to the cup, hits the cup, starts rolling around, and drops it. Signs and wonders. You know, I forgot to ask him if that guy's going to church there or not. He certainly promised to. But the power of God accompanies the sharing of the gospel. That happened there in Iconium, right? It says that. Then what happens is, as that happens, there's a resistance that grows. And often what we'll see is that as the effectiveness of the gospel being shared increases, the resistance increases as well. So what do we learn? Unbelieving Jews stir up Gentiles, poison their mind. The people of the city are divided. And what do they want to do? They want to stone Paul and Barnabas. But Paul and Barnabas get wind of it. They're smart guys and they take out of the city. The fourth piece of that pattern. 
faith in Jesus is established and the kingdom of God spreads. Now you say, where did that come from? Where was that in our text? Ah, you have to read on. So we, I want you to turn to Acts 14, 21 through 23. I'll put it up on the screen. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders, elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So this is a pattern that Paul and Barnabas knew well. And because they knew it well, their expectations were being conditioned. They trusted that when they shared their faith, the power of God would be accompanying it. They knew that God would be making divine appointments for them out there. They knew that there were people they were going to be able to share that with wherever they went. Because that was their conditioning. That was their experience. So that was their expectation. And just like Mr. Reagan said to me, and I rose up to the expectation, they were rising up to the expectation that God was providing for them. In a traditional sense, you and I are not missionaries like Michelle and Brett, right? But we still have a mission. We still are to share the gospel. We're just not called to share it in Poland or Czechoslovakia or somewhere else. We're called to do it right where we live in our homes, with our families, with our neighbors, at work, wherever we're playing, whatever it is we're doing, that's where we're called to share our faith. And God is making divine appointments for us all the time, whether we know it or not. This week, I had a divine appointment. I was uh, talking to a salesman, and we were getting along while... He was doing his sales thing on the computer and everything. And uh, as we talked, it seemed like we were getting along good. So he said, well, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Now, most of the time, that kind of puts a wet towel over the person I'm talking to. Like, people really want to know because I'm a different kind of guy. And then I tell them I'm a pastor, and they're like, whoa. But this guy, his eyes got like real big, and he goes, hey, my girlfriend and I want to serve. Do you know anywhere where we can go serve? Yeah, I do. Let me suggest to you an idea. Where do you live? Lake Zurich? Oh, man, just down the road from Lake Zurich in Libertyville. There's a place called Feed My Starving Children. Now, I could have said, well, come to our church and serve, but that's probably not going to happen. But they probably would go to Feed My Starving Children, and it's a great way for them to give and serve and make a difference. And that's a place where you and I can connect with people of the culture. So I told him about Feed My Starving Children. I told him about I've been there with the church. I told him about I've been there 
for a 50th uh, birthday party. I've told them how I've been there with my life group. I said, this is great. Check it out. And he was all excited. He wrote it down on a piece of paper. And I said, you know, I have some pastor friends in Lake Zurich, Long Grove. They're good guys. They could tell you some other places in the area. But hey, if you want to ask any questions or anything, let me give you my phone number. So I gave him my phone number. He said, you call me anytime. He wrote it down. I don't know if that made the circular file or not. It doesn't matter because that's not up to me. That's up to the Lord. I was a farmer sowing seeds. That's the gospel. And I'm just trying to connect and make a difference and be able to tell people and stand up for what God is all about. This great love to make a difference. That was a divine appointment that God had made. I didn't know it was going to be a divine appointment. I didn't know it until the guy looked at me and said, do you know a place where we can serve? And I mean, bells went off inside of me. Go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't expect that. Should have. Should have. God is making divine appointments. That's our mission for us to step into those. In our mission statement, what do we say? Do we got the mission statement? Can we put it up here? We seek to connect with people at the well, just like Jesus did with the Samaritan woman. Disciple them in the Word and send them out as empowered Christians to transform the world. We're talking about being relational with people. Connect with them at the well. That's how we talk about walking into these divine appointments. So let's weigh in on question three. Can we get question three up? As they do that, I'm going to read it to you. Do you expect, do you expect the Holy Spirit to provide divine appointments for you regularly? Do you expect the Holy Spirit to provide divine appointments for you regularly? And click on one of five answers. Yes, looking daily. Yes, looking regularly. Yes and no. Not so much, not at all. While you guys are weighing in, um, are we all weighed in? No, I'll keep talking while you guys are weighing in. Okay. From Iconium, Barnabas and Paul go to Lystra, and the pattern repeats itself. They share the gospel. As they share the gospel, there is a man there who is looking intently at them, but he's crippled. He's been crippled from birth. And Paul sees that this is a man who has faith. So Paul essentially says to him, Rise and walk. Be healed. It's an amazing sign and wonder. People are just in utter awe. The gospel is shared. The power of God accompanies the sharing of the gospel through faith, through signs and wonders. And then the resistance starts. In this instance, the resistance starts as confusion over who Paul and Barnabas are. The evil one confuses everybody. They've come to talk about Jesus. This man walks through Jesus. But what do the people of the city think? This has got to be two Greek gods. And Paul and Barnabas 
work hard to set the city straight, and just as they get it straightened out, resistance increases. The Jews who wanted to stone them from Iconium probably hear what's going on, so they come back over to Lystra, and they turn the people against Paul and Barnabas. And you know what happens there? They stone Paul. They drag his body out of the city, supposing that Paul is dead. But God preserves Paul. And Barnabas and the other ministry leaders with them pick him up. And they don't just minister to him uh, for you know a week. It says the next day they went to Derby. So Paul is able to actually go the next day after being stoned. It's an amazing thing God did. And, of course, faith in Jesus is established and the kingdom of God spreads, as we read at the end of the chapter, happened in all these cities. All right. So where are our results? Expecting the Holy Spirit to provide these divine appointments. We read that 55% of us feel that the Holy Spirit is out there making these divine appointments. We expect Him to be doing that. And then we read another 45% are pretty unsure about that. Let's go on to question four and look at the expectations about the Holy Spirit working with you in that experience. Question four is, do you expect the Holy Spirit to be working with you in these appointments? And you can click on one of five answers. Yes, looking daily. Yes, looking regularly. Yes and no. Not so much. Not at all. Okay. While you're doing that, I am going to be taking us through the rest of Acts 14. So Paul and Barnabas and the other ministry uh, people with them go to Derby. There the gospel is shared. And there the sharing of the gospel is accompanied by the power of God. It says that many people responded. Not just a few, many. Now, what isn't present is resistance. There's no resistance there. But I believe that Paul and Barnabas were expecting resistance. And you know why I believe that? Because in verse 22, where we talked about that pattern of how it's established, what is it that they're telling the people as they're strengthening them and establishing them? They're saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. They're saying, yep, this is going to be hard. There's going to be resistance to it. And of course, Faith in Jesus is established and the kingdom of God spreads. Now let's look at these results. 62% of you say that you expect the Holy Spirit to be working with you when you are sharing your faith with others. That they are working in that experience. Right? And 30% say yes, but you lack a little confidence And only 9% say, yeah, I'm not sure. So, here's the tough part about a sermon like this. I didn't know where the results are going to be. So I have to kind of give you my take on the results. Okay? Based on 
what I knew from the NCD survey. And the fact that we as a church don't feel we're doing as much as we should be doing when it comes to this sharing of our faith. I expected that there would be a disconnect between your expectations and between, you know, as a result, that's where the disconnect was. Not in your capabilities. Okay? What I'm finding is that your expectations are not low. Your expectations are high. Once you start to share the gospel, your expectations go up. But can we get back to slide three? Is there any way to get back there? I don't know if anybody's writing this down. But if you look at it, 54% are looking regularly for this. That's pretty good. So... Either we have a much higher standard than 54%, which means we want to get to 66% or 70%. That's when we think we're really doing this well. Or there's a disconnect between your answers and that survey. I don't know. But that's my take on it on the fly. Now, this is what I promised to do. Take a look at this with the staff. Take a look at it with the elders. I'll turn that information over to the NCD team for them to look at and review as they look at an action plan for how we can do that better. But I want to thank you for participating in this. It's fascinating. And I am delighted and pleased that you have that much expectation of God working. We should. We should absolutely believe that God can do What is unbelievable, because we do believe that the supernatural power of God is what? Natural. It is natural to us, because it's the foundation of our birth, is it not? Before we came to know Jesus, we were destined for another eternity. And God made a way to get into our hearts filling us with his love. And how did he do it? By coming and dying on a cross and paying that debt. And by that miracle, we are saved. Amen? Okay. So we should believe in the supernatural power of God to do these things. Well, the end of Acts 14 is the end of the missionary journey that Paul and Barnabas are on. They return to Antioch, and they report what is happening. And what is significant about their report is that the gospel, they say, was received by the Gentiles. It happens by a few Gentiles before this, but now all of a sudden, lots and lots and lots of Gentiles are coming to believe Jesus is the Messiah. He is Lord, and He is Savior. And look at what it says in verses 27 and 28. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now this is going to be important next week as we continue on in this study. So what I want to remind you of is the repeating nature of the pattern. That nature is this that the gospel is shared, 
The power of God always attends when the gospel is shared. Which means there is a faith response of some sort. There may be signs and wonders attending it to help. God is working. And when that happens, resistance grows. But God is still working. And faith ultimately is established and the kingdom of God spreads as a result. That's that pattern that keeps taking place. And because of that, it conditions our expectations that God is at work. It conditions us to believe in our everyday life that God is making divine appointments for us so that we are looking for them. Because here's the way expectation works. Expectation causes you to pay attention. When Mr. Regan said, I want you to play your very best game, I knew I needed to pay attention. I needed to pay attention throughout that whole week in practice. That's why he told me that on Monday. I needed to pay attention on Saturday. I needed to make sure I was doing my very best. My eyes were open and I was aware. It isn't some magical thing like name it, claim it, preachers want to tell you. Expectation causes you to look with your eyes. When teachers expect more of their students, they're looking for the things they expect and they start reinforcing them in the students. When we expect God to be working, we're looking for that. When we expect them to be making divine appointments, we're looking for that. And when we see it, we can step through it because we've seen it. You know what made it easy for me this week to step into that with that salesman? This message. Been working on it for a while. Thinking about it. I'm in it. Man, as soon as he said that, my eyes were open. Holy cow. That was awesome. So let me tell you what the big idea of this message is. It's this. When it comes to sharing our faith, our expectation of God has an impact. Our expectations of God have an impact. If we expect little, we'll have fewer opportunities for divine appointment. If we expect much, we're going to have more opportunities for divine appointment because we're going to be looking at them. Okay? I suspect that we don't expect enough of ourselves. That's where I suspect the real disconnect is. As, as a coach, you know, when I looked at my, my teams and my players, that's usually the, the greatest part of the disconnect. We either don't believe we can or we're not paying attention enough, so we don't expect enough of ourselves. We can expect more. But here's what I don't want you to walk away with today. I don't want you to walk away with, gosh, i got to do a better job at this. This is work and this matters. God's dependent on me and the kingdom of God is dependent on me. If that's what you're thinking, it's wrong. It's just wrong. It's not dependent on you. It's dependent on God. And God is always working to reach people in the world whether they know it or not. And He is always working to make divine appointments for His children so that they can partner with Him 
in reaching the world with His love for them. Here's what I do want you to take away this morning. Okay? When it comes to sharing your faith, everybody, relax. Just relax. You know, if you guys don't really know me. I'm a different person. I'm an old guy when I came here. But I used to be really intense. Really intense. You know, maybe even more intense than Pastor Tim. And he's pretty intense, trust me. Relax. That's the first thing I want to say. Number two, expect God to be working ahead of you. Expect it. Expect Him to be there so you can walk into it. Expect that God is going before you. Because He is. He's out there working right now. Number three, allow your expectations to rise. Right? Allow them to rise. Rise up to those expectations. Don't just sit back. Rise up to them. Because you are able. And God will use you. And what happened in the New Testament is still happening today. And there are lots of churches that are making it happen and lots of people that are making it happen and lots of missions that are making it happen. And we're making it happen too, by the way. I'm going to say something about that at the end. Number three, as you are four, as you allow your expectations to rise, become more aware. Just open up your eyes. And that should be natural. That should be natural as you become more aware. Number five, step into the opportunities when they're there, guys. Gals, step into the opportunities. Number six, let God take care of the rest. Don't worry about it. This is God's work. Right? Number seven is the part I like. Because if you let God take care of the work, just have fun and enjoy it. Enjoy the people you're connecting with. That's what it's about. Enjoy them. And enjoy the fact that you get to have an adventure with God. Isn't that cool? You get to have an adventure to step into something you've never stepped into before. That's great. Because you may have stepped into it before with other people, but you don't know who you're stepping into it with this time. That's going to be an adventure. Enjoy it. And this is the last piece. Because I believe that probably we are doing more of these divine appointments than we recognize in the survey. And part of the reason that we may not recognize it is there's not enough reporting. Because okay? what do the what do Paul and Barnabas do? They come back to the church and they report. We need to find a way to share our stories. Most of us are hearing those stories in our life groups, and they're encouraging. Because people are saying, Oh yeah, you know, this happened and this happened and that happened. But the whole church isn't hearing them. And we need to find a way to do that. I think technology can help us with that. I think there may be things we can do even in worship, and I'm out of time. So I'm just going to say it like that, all right? We need to find ways to report to each other so it will encourage us and build our expectations. And guys, gals, trust God because he's awesome in this, okay? And remember, it's about his love, isn't it? So let's be committed to that. Let's pray.
Lord, we just thank you now for this. We ask your blessing on us. We pray that you will help us to um, expect you to be working because you are. And that, Lord, we'll rise up to your expectations. And that you'll increase our expectations so we can rise up to those. And that, Lord, your kingdom can be established and go forth. Because you are a great God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.